Welcome back, everyone. Sorry for the delay. Uh, we're having issues. As I was mentioning, Professor Blackmore, we've just moved studios a couple of weeks ago, and of course, we're encountering little issues. Um, but we're going to continue our conversation about memes, religion. We were talking about Jesus and hell, but we had a little bit of a communication issue with the breakup in the line. So, Professor Blackmore, can you kind of go back over that a little bit again? My apologies for that. Yeah, I was explaining about the clever structure that religions have evolved because the religions didn't just instantly appear. They've evolved in a kind of evolutionary tree, if you like, with successful versions um, drowning out the unsuccessful versions according to what thrives when. And what we've ended up with, at least in the major religions of Islam, Christianity, Judaism, and so on, are um, meme plexes that's adapted, co-adapted complexes of memes that all thrive together very cleverly. And the basic structure of most of those religions is just like a chin letter or a, um, some computer viruses. They consist of an instruction to pass them on, that's absolutely central, um, backed up by untestable threats and promises. So if you take Christianity, the religion that I was brought up in, um, in many what it seems quite benign, full of lovely ideas about how you must be nice to other people and, and, and you'll go to heaven and if you're wicked you'll go to hell. But you're encouraged to pass these things on and in some religions you're told that if you don't pass them on you will go to hell and in others you're told if you spread the good news of Jesus or you um, make converts to Islam or whatever then you will go to heaven. And I mean in a way the Heavens described are completely ridiculous to the modern person. I often ask people in lectures, you know, what was your, what would be your idea of heaven? You know, <laughs> instant access to the whole of the web all the time and a bigger brain. And, you know, uh, I think there are a lot of things we'd rather have than angels and harps and so on. But nevertheless, the idea of eternal peace and everything fine and seeing your loved ones again forever has always been appealing to people. A lot of people want to live, you know, live after their physical death. And the religions play on this. They play on our weaknesses. And then um, they frighten people with these terrible threats of, of um, everlasting torture. And in that way, get people to pass them on. It is very, very difficult to get out of religions which you were born into. It's particularly difficult in Islam, where it specifies in Islam that um, if you give up your religion, um, you will you will go to hell. And also it encourages people to kill people who give up their religion. Apostates are supposed to be killed. So all of these things mean it's absolutely not surprising at all that these religions carry on, even though they are full of a load of garbage. I mean, the idea of God to me doesn't make any sense at all. It's completely ridiculous. Um, nor did the, does the idea of virgin births and, and miracles and all of these things. Um, but these are perpetuated um, again and again by these threats and promises. Excellent Pretty scary stuff, really. Yeah, it is. Uh, let me ex uh, ask you this question. You kind of popped in my head here. It almost seems like memes have... I can't think of the right word i don't want to say a, a mortality capability but they're a part of us and it's such a big part of us that it really could determine our livelihood in the sense of whether or not we want to live uh whether or not we want to um or how we want to live but that's 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 obvious but the the fact of being able to almost uh, not only define our identity but also 
our need to live. Is that? I'm not sure if I'm expressing myself correctly there. I think you are, and you're sounding very hesitant, but I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, we, we would not be fully human if we weren't infected with a lot of memes. Um, and that includes our language and all the stories we know and all the skills that we've been brought up with, because all of the, not all of them, but almost all those things, certainly language and stories, have been passed to us by other people. And a human being who doesn't acquire language or doesn't um, imbibe the stories or ways of doing things is, is not fully human at all. So we need um, to be given all these memes as we're growing up and all our education is all meme, you know, it's giving us all the memes. The trouble is what we are trying to do is to select the memes that we want that are good for us and that we like and that will make us happy. And the memes are trying, kind of trying in inverted commas, but in the same way as genes, you know, try to get passed on to the next generation. If they manage to, then they, they, they carry on living. Um, the memes uh, um, are trying, or to the advantage of the memes, to trick us to get into our heads whether they make us happy or not. So we're always vulnerable to things like religions, to things like um, alternative therapies that don't work, um, to, you know, wonderful-sounding um, uh, products that actually we don't need and don't make us happy. And and I could say to, to the... Um, a lot of the, the modern media and, and um, social media, how people are kind of trapped into spending hours and hours every day on Facebook. You hear of people doing that kind of thing. Um, because it kind of presses our buttons. It gets us to do it. And, you know, we can say, actually, it's not making me happy, but it's still very difficult to, to, to uh, tear ourselves away. So it's, in a way, a constant battle between uh, us, the meme machines, um, trying to get get the, the memes we want, and the memes not caring at all. Memes don't care. Memes are just information being copied, so why should they care? Just the same way that genes are just information copied in, in, in DNA, why should they care? That's what is meant by the idea of selfish genes or selfish memes. It's not that they go around kind of actively thinking, because they can't, they're just bits of information, but they will get copied if they can, regardless of the consequences to us. I think the more we understand that, the better we will be able to live in this world of ever more and more memes. Fascinating, fascinating discussion. We have a few minutes running out of time. I, I would love to talk to you again sometime about media and social memes. They seem to be creating their own all the time. But I wanted to ask you a quick question here. I'm doing some research on terrorism and apocalyptic psychology and whatnot. Um, that's a very dangerous meme, this concept of apocalyptic psychology, of trying to bring back um, divine retribution for social injustices. Uh, that seems to be resonating in the world of terrorism. How would you... Could you discuss a little bit maybe how the meme world could be um, affecting the marginalized people who are picking up this meme of trying to fight for a cause like that? Yes, I mean, I, I can't give, give all the answers by any means, but I do think understanding the way memes get copied and why um, can help to some extent. So you have to think, why, if you've got this kind of a meme, um, like, you know, the, the apocalypse is coming and we're all going to die and if you do this, you'll be fine and so on. Um, what kind of people are going to be susceptible to that? Anybody who's got a, um, a, a satisfied life and a basically happy, which usually is people who have something constructive to do and when they work hard they, they, they get on better and they've got good 
family or social relationships. Those kinds of people are, are not going to be attracted. But the huge attraction of these apocalyptic sort of ideas is that they put all your ordinary little daytime worries into, into a different perspective. You know, if you really hate your life and you're miserable and you know you hate your family and you want to get away and everything and someone comes along with yes yes but the end of the world is coming or you know any of these apocalyptic ideas that's very very attractive i find it myself that's why i'm saying it you know sometimes i i'm i'm very concerned about global warming um and i you know try hard to to keep my carbon footprint um, down, um, but I sometimes catch myself sort of almost wishing it would happen because you know all the trivial little things I worry about in life would then kind of not matter anymore. Huh. I, that's one of, one of the attractions. Another attraction is just being superior, and that of course appeals to almost everybody. If you uh, have some uh, extreme extremist idea saying you're going to be different, you're going to be the special one, you're going to be the one who survives. If you do, you will be, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll go to heaven first or whatever it might be. That idea of being special. So, I mean, again and again means are just feeding on our natural, biologically evolved tendencies. Fascinating stuff. Oh, Dr. Blackmore, I wish we had four hours to continue this conversation. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I could cope with four hours. I'm very happy to talk to you again today. <laughs> Tell me a little bit, where can we get more information about you and what you're up to right now? Well, what I'm up to right now is hunkering down and keeping away from everybody because I am writing a book about out-of-the-body experiences. I had the most extraordinary out-of-body experience back in 1970. I wrote a book about those experiences with what little we then knew in 1982. And then I went off and did all these other things, as you know, memes and consciousness and so on. But recently, the science is really showing us which bit of the brains are operating in out-of-body experiences, what's going on, and how to explain them without having to have, you know, astral bodies and floating replicas and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really loving this. That's what I'm spending most of my time on at the moment. Um, but you can find out a lot more. I have a Facebook page, which I don't do very much. My assistant runs it mostly, but I, I write bits on it. I try and do something about every week. And I have a big website, which I run myself. And all you need to do is put Susan Blackmore to Google and you can find me tell you this is one of the lucky things in the modern world susan blackmore <laughs> not very difficult to spell but there aren't very many, you'll find me easily that's true i did susan blackmore you can find her look her up fabulous books i highly recommend them once again let's go over the titles she's a prolific writer this professor blackmore here her latest I'm book old. i've had a long time <laughs> zen and the art of consciousness and she's also written the book of consciousness and introduction Fabulous. We can't wait for your next book. I know. Uh, thank you again so much for taking the time out to do this. Uh, I know we did not interrupt your samba this week, I think, right? We were okay with that? We're okay with that. Samba in about 20 minutes. There you go. I need my Thank you again, Professor Blackmore. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show. We will catch you all next time.